The internet makes everything worse. Hello and welcome to episode number 231 of Grumpy Old Ben's Wednesday, August 16, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where you get an AI and you get an AI and yes, even you, Billy Bones, you get an AI. And from America's left coast where AI will save us all if it doesn't kill us in the process, I'm Ryan Pimrose. Well, but wouldn't that be exactly what it should do? It should save us as to be our savior. Then the AI will do everything and then people won't have to work, but then we won't figure out how people are going to make any money. But wait, there's universal basic income. So the government will provide for all. That's what AI leads to. Okay. That's the show. That's in theory. Yes. I actually brought quite a few AI stories, but there's something much more important I have to mention first. And that is the unthinkable has happened. Uh I'm out of coffee. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is we get our coffee beans from a local roaster who does like really small batch stuff. So she actually roasts only twice a month. And I missed by a day and a half our last order for getting in. And I have actually run out of coffee beans. I have nothing to grind, nothing to put through. the. So here's my problem. I'm on my wife's coffee right now. And she and I have different expectation levels for caffeine. Uh, what, what we do with hers or for her, just, I, we go out and get, uh, actually I'm going to give a real quick recipe. Follow me for more recipes because all of these will kill you. Wait, Uh, you're giving recipes now. Yeah. Uh, go out and get a 12 ounce package of pre-ground coffee, just whatever crap you want. Uh, throw it into a, a big gallon glass jar, fill it with water and either leave it in the fridge or to brew faster. I leave it out in the sun or. 24 hours. And once all the, you know, stir it up once in a while, but once all the grounds have sunk to the bottom, it's basically brewed. And what you end up with is cold brew. Um, the, the way the recipe is supposed to go after that is, uh, you run it through a bunch of filters, you filter the grounds out, you filter, uh, you know, I, I, I like to run it through paper filters to get the oils out because the oils are kind of bitter and make it feel like deathly strong and powerful. And I prefer my coffee a little smoother. Um, and then once that happens, uh, when you serve, you cut it two to one with tap water because the stuff that this makes is super concentrated. Well, my wife likes it death concentrated and bitter, and I forgot about that this morning. And so I always skip out the paper filtering step. So it is strong, kick you in the face type of coffee. And um, I didn't mix it with nearly enough water. So I am on a non-standard amount of caffeine right now, Uh-oh. I guess is what I'm saying. Is it higher or lower than what you're used to? I don't know. Right now, my heart is pounding. Oh, so I'm guessing slightly higher. A little bit. If you uh, go into cardiac arrest, is there a way for us to call 911 remotely or? Um... No, because that would be doxing, which is one of my stories. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the world we live in. I like the uh, cold brew from our local grocer. I mean, that's a national grocer, Meyer. And they have this Michigan cherry coffee, which I don't like flavored coffees 99% of the time. When it comes 
with the flavoring in the bean form. Every now and then, you know, I'll put a little creamer in with the flavor, like the Snickers creamer that Net Ned turned me on to. But I don't usually like the flavored coffees, but they're Michigan cherry coffee. And I don't know how they infuse the Michigan cherry flavor with the coffee. It's probably not healthy. Is, are, are, when you say cherry, is this like a euphemism for something coffee related or does it actually taste like a little tart berry? It actually tastes like cherry, Michigan, okay. beautiful Michigan cherries. And the smell when it's brewing, oh, it just fills the kitchen up with this delightful aroma. And they do sell a cold brew version of this stuff. And I didn't realize that the cold brew is way more caffeinated than the stuff you're putting in, you know, the K-cups or whatever you're brewing at home with a drip. But I learned that pretty quick. Yeah, generally with cold brew, if you want it on par with the normal type of coffee, you have to mix it with something. and. It's very common. Like my wife will actually mix it with half and half, which is tasty if uh, and not as healthy as the black coffee I drink. Uh, but yeah, you got to cut it. Cold brew. Is, okay. You yeah. got to cut it, man. This is strong stuff. You can't just take it straight. You're going to hurt yourself. Or somebody else. <laughs> Probably. That's more likely with you. Not worried about you. Worried about everybody within a 33 mile radius. Yeah. Had somebody asked me, what's the LD 50 for caffeine? And I said, for me or for everyone around me? <laughs> yes, both. <laughs> yes, please. And uh, thanks to the clip custodian, 50,000 Satoshis just came in with that. I mean, there's, there are booster grams you can ignore and boosts you can ignore, but not 50,000. I, I, I noticed that and it, it pleases me for a couple of reasons, obviously getting money, but also had a little problem with my node that lavish was pointed out yesterday. Uh, apparently, um, I need to not be running my node on the same server as uh, my Minecraft server. Cause something went weird with the Minecraft server and it absolutely slammed the CPU and ran itself out of memory. And Java was wedged oh. taking up 100% CPU for about 12 hours. And it caused my node to back up so much. It started dumping packets. Like that's not good. You want the node, you want the, lightning to come in so i think i need to figure out a way like okay you know there's there's lnd and bitcoin d these are one priority and then there's java which if java starts misbehaving just terminate the mofo there's nothing in minecraft that is as important as getting satoshis amen and the baron of rotterdam just sent one five one five one that's a lucky number i am pleased that i'm getting these yeah and you're now because especially now that you are cut in on these sweet sweet no agenda lightning they make a decent amount on those shows. I remember when I won my first art piece, I think the whole thing, the 5% got me like five bucks in like two weeks. Now it was like 60 bucks the first day. Yeah. I, I you remember like six, eight, 10 months ago when I was complaining about all my channels being wide all open, deleted all the time. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it finally managed after some whining to get people to open really big channels. Like, you know, four or five million Satoshis. That was going to be enough for a long time. But not now. Well, let's just say this is this is something we're going to have to investigate again. Yeah, you might need a bigger board. You might need a bigger machine to run this on. Okay, but I don't want to talk about my personal financial troubles right now. How do we how about we talk about AI? I like AI. It is everywhere. Oh, it's every piece of news these days. I told you, even Fox News now has a section on their website that's AI. It's not good enough to be in the tech section. It is so pervasive, so important that you have to have an AI section on Fox News. Or they just don't consider AI to be tech. 
I, or they have no idea what they're talking about, which is what which most is people, yeah, when it comes to AI, because that's still not intelligence. Even the great it's more CSB, creative writing, if we got to be honest. Yeah. Well, in CSB, the great AI expert, it's like, it's not really thinking it is just taking data that had been put into it. A lot of people don't know they're under the assumption that like, wow, computers are really thinking. It's like, no, they're not. They're not. They're looking at data and they're trying <laughs> to interpret. That's it. I I will actually allow that computers have advanced far enough that they can think as well as at least 50% of humans. Yeah, but call given that Democrats. that's such an immensely low bar. Yeah, very low. I mean, I'd rather AI vote than Democrats. So, I mean, there's that. I, I would be perfectly fine with Democrats voting if it were only the live ones who were voting. Well, the dead ones might actually have a better handle on what's yeah. going on. or Or the real ones. Well, this is true, too. If if every single Democrat vote was an actual voter, uh, an actual human person, and even better if it was a U.S. citizen, but let's not go crazy, I, I would actually be a lot more confident in the, the Democratic process. I also think they'd lose badly and they know it, and that's why they have to stuff ballot boxes like this bullshit going on in Georgia, where uh, in case you missed the current events, not really tech, but... Uh, they came out with proof and uh, I don't remember if there were indictments or not yes, that there were. Yes. In fact, um, these election workers were uh, e ejecting all the Republicans from the room and then running the same boxes of ballots through the counting machine over and over again. This is absolute proof of in, uh, election fraud. It is proof that the election in Georgia was uh, illegitimate. And so what does the Georgia AG do? She they go after Trump. Trump. Right. They indict Trump and go, well, no, you were trying to interfere with the election. It's like this concept that questioning the results of an election is interfering in that it was causing an insurrection as any like uh, thinking person, I should say, you can go back to, especially in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, who lost the governor's race. And then did the whole trust thing and came out and said, I won. I won. I can't I can't concede because I won. I concede means I admit that I lost and I did. I'm not going to do that because I won. And sure. It's like, well, then uh, you also have Hillary Clinton. Yeah. She took it really Hillary well in 2016. That. Remember that? Yeah. 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 Whenever you bitch out people like Trump or uh, uh, who's the one in Arizona, Carrie Lake. Yeah. We're like. You know, how dare these deniers? You lost fair and square. It's like, oh, did that also happen to Abrams and Clinton? Uh-huh. And it's like, well, then you have to put them in jail. I'm waiting. Because, I mean, if you're indicting Trump. Yeah, yeah. I don't where think are the indictments? There should be a lot. They're sealed, it, probably. It, it, the, yeah. Well, the, I mean, we've just reached the next step of pure abject political corruption. It was, it was a couple years ago that, at least for what I could see, they just stopped trying to hide the corruption and were just being bald-faced about it. Now we are up to the point where the uh, criminal justice system is being used to put people's political appointments in jail. There's no way this can go wrong. Well, and I don't think what's more worrisome are the people that think this is going to work for them. The anti-Trumpers who, how many times do you have to go through the Lucy with the football, Charlie Brown story? Oh, we got him. We finally got him. Oh yeah. We got drop. Yeah. We got drop. Oh yeah. We finally got him. Never. Never. You haven't gotten them. You're not going to because there's <laughs> well, no I, evidence. I, I think that the the biggest 
lie that a lot of the people doing this are telling themselves is, uh, and I see this all the time, is when you go out and create specially crafted laws or policies or rules for the purpose of getting the other guy completely oblivious to the fact that once you pass a bad law that can be used as a weapon, it can be used as a weapon by whoever is sitting in that chair at the time, which means that it, you know, all of the bullshit the Democrats are doing right now, they better hope that their election fixing device is such that no Republican will ever get elected again in the entire remainder of what's left of this collapsing empire. Because if a Republican ever gets in, they're going to use all of the same things and start going after Democrats. And that all the people who were like, well, of course we, you know, the justice system is right. Of course it should indict ex-presidents for corruption. Well, you're going to start fucking regretting that. Well, it's just so disingenuous. And it's trying to go back and change the language, something we've talked about a lot over the last 230 episodes of this show there are literally people on msnbc that are yeah, like i know I, oh, I it's, it's sad that there are this is true <laughs> but that will make the case well here's here's the transcript from this call and donald trump asks this guy in georgia to find him twelve thousand votes that is proof and it's like no it's not fucking idiot that's how people talk <laughs> if you think you won and you think the votes are there you're like find me the votes they're there That doesn't mean make them up. That doesn't mean do anything illegal. That means I believe the votes were legitimately and legally cast by the people in your state. Go find them. That is not illegal. I understand the argument I'm about to make is the kind of thing that would make Adam Curry start shouting. Well, what about ism? What about ism? Right. But I guess every single time that you see people squawking and screeching about how awful Trump is or how, you know, like when, when Trump famously like long, long before he ever had any interest or kid crap, gave a crap about politics said, what, what was the line? I'd grab her by the pussy or something like that. And they made four years worth of notes about that. Anybody who has even the slightest bit of intellectual honesty will look at comments that are objectively 20 times worse from people who the corporate media are just protecting or ignoring. It, it's absolutely disturbing the number of examples you can find of Trump saying things like, uh, if you go to the Capitol, remain peaceful, right. and turning that into a straight up coup when 20,000 uh, troops are stationed on the White House lawn to protect the new dictator from the public because they knew that they were 20 times worse than anything he ever did. Don't you understand what Trump's saying, man? He's saying, don't get violent. That means get violent, man. Didn't you hear it? No, no, actually I didn't. This is, but this I, is I was, this, really, this is their case. I mean, I, I remember the day when the reports were that people were going into the Capitol. And I remember, you know, I was watching it from here in this chair in my studio, of course, I didn't go to Washington, D.C. At the time, I was actually sad because I kind of like I wanted to be there to show support, not necessarily for Trump, although I still like what he represents uh, because he represents everything that the deep state hates. But 
I wasn't there and I was watching on you know videos of people going in. And even at the moment it's happening, there was that uh, back of my head going, what the hell is going on? They're all staying inside the ropes. Right. And like a tour group. Uh, yeah. Like a tour group there, you know, wait, who opened the door? There was no, you know, there was no battering ram. There was no, like a, a door lock would have stopped them. Nobody was throwing their shoulder into the door. It looked like somebody unlocked it. Who unlocked? Why is it all of this stuff that didn't add up at the time. And then watching this was long before the official narrative spun up, but watching the official narrative get spun up into this was a coup to try to take over. The, it It is so incredibly transparent how, it, you know, if you get your news from somewhere other than the official narrative, it is so utterly transparent how they are spinning things and blatantly lying to say, oh, well, only the one side is bad and the other side is good when they're all bad. Some are worse than others, and I tend to think that the ones who are fixing elections and blatantly lying to us, that is more egregious than being uh, wrong. Republican. Yeah, Just, being wrong about something, Yeah, not being able to prove something, because you can have the opinion that an election was stolen, but not have the proof to back it up. That's still allowed. I mean, this is America. You're free to think kind of what you want to think. But we then have things, and again, I get it. It's the whataboutism 101. But then you find emails and text messages from Hunter Biden literally telling people that he's been paying his dad's bills for over a decade and half of everything he makes goes to the big guy and all of this. But no, no, we, we don't, we, that's nothing. Don't, don't talk about that. I mean, there's a money trail, millions of dollars into Hunter Biden. And then you have proof that Hunter Biden's saying, well, I'm, I'm giving half of this to the old man. No, don't and look I, at that. I want to clarify something about the whataboutism. And, and this this bugs the hell out of me, not least because of, you know, the, the whiny voice that comes out of Adam whenever you mention whataboutism, whataboutism. It, saying, well, what about this other thing is not an excuse for bad behavior. Saying, oh, the other guy did it too, right. is very much not an excuse for performing bad behavior. What it's saying is, if you are going to punish this guy for bad behavior, then in order to be honest with yourself and equitable, you also have to punish the other people who are doing the same thing. That is not a fallacy. That is straight up avoiding hypocrisy. If you only punish the other guy and you don't punish your guy for exactly the same crime. Right. You are being a hypocrite. That is the root when people say, well, what about Obama who did this? Which is not an excuse for, oh, you know, Trump did a terrible thing. Let's let him off. That's not. Well, OK, there are people who might be saying that and they are committing a fallacy. The fallacy is saying, oh, Trump shouldn't be punished for corruption. If there is proof that Trump was corrupt, he should be punished. But if you are going to go out and punish Trump for things that Democrats are doing every single day of the week and ignore their crimes and in fact dismiss their crimes, let Hunter Biden off with a tiny slap on the wrist for 1% of how much he owes in the IRS or, uh, you know, Sam Bankman fried hair. Right. Who 
they decided that, oh, you know, he actually didn't commit any crimes at all because even though he built millions of people out of billions of dollars, it's okay because he gave that money to the Democrats. It is all who your friends are, isn't it? That's corruption and it should be punished. And I guess every time I hear somebody shriek, what about ism? I get triggered by it, not because it's an excuse that, oh, the guy that they're targeting shouldn't be punished. It's because it is a legitimate call to say, okay, now that you've opened the door and said this crime is punished, if you actually are being honest about caring about the rule of law, then all the other people doing exactly the same thing need to be punished too. And I'm still waiting for those thousands of sealed indictments. Where the hell are they? Yeah. Bill O'Reilly has been big on the what about ism as well. He may almost be as triggered about it as uh, the podfather is. And I get it. It ruins debates. The worst thing that you can have in a debate is you're trying to cover a singular topic. Like did Hunter Biden do this? Did Donald Trump do this? And the minute this uh, one side that's backing that person says, oh, what about this guy? What about this guy? Then things all fall down the hill. But if anybody thinks there's equal justice going on in this country right now, they're really high. They're not paying attention to what's going on. And the reality is that you can point these things out, as you said, if if they're very similar things, and that's what you have to be methodical about. You can't go, well, gee, Hunter Biden took billions or millions of dollars from a Chinese entity and then go, yeah, but Donald Trump took papers from his office. Those aren't the same thing. Now, if you can point to other people who took millions of dollars from foreign countries and then went to jail for it, well, then that makes a little bit more sense to point out. As we know, equal protection is out. The 14th Amendment is just one of 27 that the current corrupt regime are willing to violate. And the uh, great one, Mark Levin and others pointed out exactly what the Democrats were trying to do. And that is make it so, oh, well, Donald Trump, because of the 14th Amendment, whatever section was taking part in an insurrection. So he is ineligible to hold office. The the idiot Keith Oberman was all in on this one this week like oh this just shows and if anybody puts them on the ballot then they're going to be committing a felony and they'll go to jail it's like you're high (laughs) you're high if you believe that and it's sad that you believe that because it's not reality to say donald trump took part in an insurrection and your whole case is well he knew what he was saying was a lie but he kept saying it anyway there is zero proof of that zero Because I don't think Donald Trump believes that it's a lie. I don't think Donald Trump's that good of an actor. But this is what they've got. This is their whole case is if we can prove that he knew he was lying and he was saying these things, knowing it was going to cause violence and an insurrection. Well, then we can put him in jail. But this is why they're going after all the regular Joes, which is why everybody's happy who didn't go on January 6th to Washington, (laughs) D.C., because they're trying to throw the book at everybody because for every little guy they get, then it's the whataboutism like, well, Trump's the bigger fish. We better put him in there. I'm actually sorry I brought this up. The Trump 
indictments really are not an interesting story to me. It's political persecution on its face. If you don't realize that you're not paying attention or you're blinded by your bias, it's they don't have a case. Yes, They, they don't have anything to that would stick in a fair court. And the only reason, and and I remain convinced of this until I see evidence otherwise, the only reason why anything will stick and go to any higher court, the only reason why anything would work is if you go to a place like Manhattan, where 107% of the people in the (laughs) jury pool hate Trump, and you find a corrupt judge who is willing to disregard the law as long as, you know, the, the supreme law of the land is get Trump. There are people like this. There are jury pools like this. You go, you know, you indict somebody in Florida using a grand jury from Washington, D.C., then, okay, if you're going to pull corrupt tricks like that, then for as long as you can continue to find corrupt judges to ignore the law and rule in your favor, you're going to continue kicking the ball down the field. If there is any justice in America, and I'm not convinced there is at this point, but if there is then eventually an honest judge will come out and look at this and say, there's nothing in the law that supports this bullshit. What are you doing? You're trying to abuse the justice system to persecute your political enemies. When that comes out, stuff starts falling down. The problem at this point is that the corrupt people who continue to push this have gone so far that they know that once the truth starts coming out and once public opinion and the justice system finally turn and start start uh, enforce or uh, trying to re- remedy crimes rather than commit them that the people at the top are going to hang i mean their crimes are so deep that if justice ever comes it will be the end and therefore they have nothing to lose and so we see double down and double down and double down and it just gets more and more outrageous and more and more crazy And the one thing that depresses me the most is the absolute number of people out there who keep telling themselves, oh, I don't want to think about politics. Oh, I just don't want to think about I don't want to know. And that is, of course, what is enabling the people at the top to continue fixing elections, to continue persecuting their enemies, to continue blatantly robbing the entire country by jacking up our taxes, both through high taxes and inflation, sending all of that money to disaster prone areas. And no, I don't mean disasters as in Maui. No, or, you know, or uh, what's that place? East Palestine, Ohio. No places in America that have disasters. Fuck them. No, we are fleecing America and sending all that money where to Ukraine. What's the disaster? Oh, the disaster is that if the current puppet regime in Ukraine falls, then the Biden family loses some control and some of their money laundering scheme. So they are sending as many American dollars there as possible so that it can be filtered back into the corrupt machine. They're doubling down and doubling down because at this point they have nothing to lose. The only play they have left is continue pushing the corruption for as long as we possibly can. And when when the corruption gets too much for one of them, like, say, Anthony Fauci, where is he right now? Oh, people started to realize that he is a the biggest mass murderer that we've seen since Pol Pot. And he suddenly bowed out of public life. He's not really big on or in being public anymore. I 
Well, eventually. Why am I talking so much politics? I wanted to talk about AI. Eventually, the Supreme Court's going to get involved, and we saw what happened. When they pack it? Well, well, that would be a concern, although I believe this Supreme Court still has enough balls from things that have come out of this court. I don't think they would allow it to become packed. Now, I don't know exactly. Not, not until they assassinate a few more of the Supreme Court justices and replace them with more uh, Comey Barrett's and Katanji Jackson's and other woke people with lots of identities behind their name and, and three different hyphenated names. And yeah. Well, but if we assume that they keep control for a while and by control, I mean, keep things from spiraling completely, even up to the Supreme court level that they have a semblance that their little bit of this American pie is still not corrupted entirely. We saw what just happened when the Supreme court said, you know what? This was a mistake. The Roe versus Wade thing should be a state's issue. We believe that's the right call. They made the call and we saw what happened. We saw people, people showing up. Yeah, they lost their minds. They showed up at the homes yeah. of these justices. A felony. You know how many and of those start, people yeah. have been charged? Zero. Oh, that's right. Because D.C. cops, like everybody in D.C. in the deep state establishment are completely corrupt and working for the machine that doesn't want this outcome. Well, because as the higher you go, I mean, I think there's a lot of cops on the beat who don't like it, but they also know that they're not going to get a conviction. The liberal DAs are not going to prosecute. You know, I'm not and even I know sure, to prove I'm not even this sure is that, not getting a conviction is the for, foremost on their mind. More like, if I don't go with whatever the, the current political thing is, I'm going to lose my job. Yeah, well, that's also true. I, you know, they'll drum me out and then they'll label me a corrupt bad cop because that's pretty much what you do. If you are corrupt, you tell, tell everybody else what, you know, accuse them of doing what you're doing. So if any cop actually does something honest and tries to enforce the law as written, then they get drummed out of the force, labeled a bad cop and then doxed. As uh, Bill O'Reilly pointed out, and I pretty much knew this was true, but it was good to get the confirmation out of all the charges, out of all the indictments, everything against Donald Trump. And I think they're up to almost triple digits when it comes to these charges and felonies. Not one of them was brought by an independent counsel, an independent, a Republican, all of them brought by Democrats. Imagine that. Uh-huh. Now, you would think if the guy was really corrupt, that the people on his team would be like, yeah, we don't want him around. We don't we don't want the corrupt guy on our team. Well, when, it, when we when we started this and I was talking about Republicans getting into office, uh, I have no name correctly pointed out in the troll room that uh, the Republicans, at least the current ones, aren't going to do shit. Why? Oh, because they're still being run by the, you know, the same 140 year old senators who Turtle are Mitch? part of the. Yeah, uh, McConnell. Like it's some serious. Seriously, we need to just start age limiting these. You, you know why? By the way, uh, the uh, Congress people were exempted from getting the COVID shots back in 2021 because they knew damn well that the people it kills most are old people, and they need their old people in Congress. There are a lot of really, really oldies. 
But you know, lizards, they live a long Diane time. Diane Feinstein, who is actually a mummified corpse at this point. Yeah, I can't believe that that situation is still holding on either. <laughs> you want to talk about not doing what is right. And I understand people doing any job. It's not just in the Congress or the Senate, the, uh, the Senate or the House, which would be Congress. Uh, it's any job. And you see every now and then somebody gets to be that age. And there's people that are in their 80s that can still do the job. And I say, God bless them. But when you realize you're starting to slip when you're in a position, especially as an elected official, do right by the people that put you in office and step down. Well, I think Dvorak nailed it with an, an analysis on a recent No Agenda show where he pointed out that the way that Congress has kind of organized themselves is everything, all of the control, you know, the, the control is not in the General Assembly. It's not in the voting. The control is entirely in the committees because you can determine which bills move forward and which ones don't. That's that's how you, you know, completely wrest control away from the people and uh, put it into uh, the cabal. Anyway, corruption. But the way that you keep control is not just having more seats. That's important. But all of the Congress critters, all of the committee appointments, all of that stuff is organized based on seniority. So right. the people who get the most clout are the ones who have been there the longest, which means that if you take your 170 year old mummified crone and replace them with a fresh faced millennial, you will lose a great deal of seniority because somebody who's been in the Senate for 70 years has got so much clout just by filling the chair and occasionally drooling on it. So much more clout than a junior senator will ever have. And that's why the establishment is not willing to give up their mummified corpses to put somebody in who was born in the last 50 years. Well, because they are all lifers. Show me the last, besides Donald Trump, show me the last 70 year old that ran for office for the first time. <laughs> it's a rarity because they're lifers. They get in early. Joe Biden is a great example of that. Had his Senate career for decades and decades and decades. And he finally got his shot at the big so time. They're the ones who go in for life. Why do I feel like I'm being punished? Because you are. Okay. But then again, the voters, as you said, this is a huge problem. Apathy. People just not paying attention, not understanding how who we vote in affects our life. I would bet you yeah. there's a majority people, of the people out there. If you're like, Hey, why do you think gas prices are going way up? Hey, why do you think the food prices went up? Most of them would have no answer anywhere near. Well, because Joe Biden did this or any elective elected official did this. They're clueless. I found myself at a bar in. Redmond, well, that's not a surprise, is it? No. Well, in Redmond, Washington, it is. I actually don't often have a lot of reason to go back to that town. But um, the the uh, waitress there, was it was a late evening. There weren't a lot of people in the bar. And the waitress, uh, uh, wait, I'm sorry, is that sexist to say waitress? I don't think server? so. I think it's just okay. accurate. It's okay to okay. use language the way it well, was meant to be. She was particularly chatty and very, uh, I mean, kind of interesting. So she, you'd like, 
occasionally when there was nothing else happening, she'd come and just sit at the table and chat with us. It was kind of cool. But, uh, you know, there was one point when she recounted a story about, uh, you know, the fact that she, among other things, she carries mace with her because her boyfriend really wants her to have protection. And I'm sitting here going, you want protection, learn how to fucking shoot a pistol. But it wasn't going to go that far. This is, this is very much uh, enemy territory in that regard. Yeah. It's a liberal haven. She was telling stories about uh, closing up at 2 AM or whenever and shifty characters just standing there outside the bar, like somebody who was standing three feet away from the door when she stepped out to lock up and just sit, sit there and made eye contact and held it the entire time until she walked away and went to her car. Not creepy uh, at all. One time she couldn't get to her car. Why? Because there was a dude taking a shit on the ground next to her front wheel. Hey, well, you know, it's, it's a free country, I guess. And then at one point, um, there was talk about, uh, one of the local political candidates and, uh, how, uh, they, you know, she, she really supported the candidate because it looked like they were going to do something about all of the, the racism in the cops. And what we really need is more community policing and less police. Right. And I'm sitting here going, this is, this is a normal, regular human being. And, and by the way, she is more connected than most because she actually sees the crap going on at 2 a.m. in the streets of Redmond. Most people don't. Most people are home alone, but people do not make a connection between these are the people you voted for and this is the result. There's crime on the streets. Uh, a piece of broccoli at the store now costs $16. Uh, you know, all of these things that are making your life objectively worse and people do not make the connection of, oh, I wonder if this is because of the person I voted for who said that that making sure that we punish white people for being born is more important than punishing shoplifters for ripping off downtown stores. I forget. What was the name of your uh, governor again? Uh, soon it's going to be <laughs> Sideshow Bob. Bro, so you, got a, you got a new right one coming now it in? Is the, the lame duck Jay fucking Inslee. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I know you were, you needed that ISO. I do. Well, it's not just an ISO. It's just a feel good. People hear that. And they're like, now we know we're listening to grumpy old Ben's, but people don't, they have that disconnect. They don't understand the connection and they probably never will because of the way news comes out now. And there is no real journalism. We've talked about that a ton and it's true. And if you just go to social media, you see the same kind of thing. You see how much of a push there is in the regular media, social media. Everything is divisive. Everything is to make people angry. And we need to somehow start just smashing all of these stereotypes that people seem to have. I watched a video while riding the bike earlier today of some black dude from, I think it was Louisiana that was a Harley rider. And he and a few friends went to Sturgis and the whole video was set up. Like, you know, I went online, everybody's like, you know, you don't belong there. You you know, they're not going to want you there. Cause you know, they're black. And why would you want to go to Sturgis and see the uh, Mount Rushmore and all of that? And it was a great video. He ran into a bunch of people. He's like a bunch of talking to these old white dudes about their bikes and the trikes and this, you know, it's like, this is what we need to 
show people more is that the color of people's skin is irrelevant. There are people out there that will share your interest who look like all sorts of different colors of the rainbow. And that's more important than the color of their skin. Finding people that are like-minded, you don't separate them. You understand how racist you sound right now? I know. Talking about ignoring the color of skin, that is racist. I know. I've been told that. I'm so sorry. We have to make sure we totally focus on that no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, nothing else about a person is important, only the color of their skin. Uh Nothing they do, nothing they say, nothing they think. None of their actions are as important as what color their skin is. Welcome to America. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it was interesting to see him walking around the Mount Rushmore because it looked like about 99% of the people there were white. And I bet you that's because we've all heard it's all racist. Uh, Because also because most of the people in America are white which is a fact that frustrates the leftists to no end. Yeah. Well, reality and leftists, they just don't seem to get along all that. Well, one cool thing did happen. And I I do have to recount this story from when I was there. Uh, I was, I I was hanging out with a bunch of ex coworkers. That's why I was in Redmond. And uh, one in particular, he is pretty woke. And so, you you know, I got to tiptoe a little bit for the sake of friendship around him, but you know, he's a cool guy. So we just talk about things that are otherwise, One of the things that he was talking about was the situation at work with uh, ERGs. Now, have you heard the term ERG? I had not. I don't believe so. So ERG stands for Employee Resource Group. Uh, It is uh, a work group that is basically dedicated to a particular minority. It's a, I think this all started, you remember maybe 15 years ago when Google did something kind of controversial at the time with their bring your whole self to work day or policy that said, you know, if you are, uh, you know, an angry lesbian with one half purple hair and the other half a penis sticking out of your head, whatever it is, um, bring that to work. Make sure that you wear that on your sleeve because that becomes your identity at the office. We want people to be forward with it. And I genuinely believe that that resulted in a complete collapse and corruption of Google's internal culture, because I know this is going to mark me as old, but this is the kind of thing like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, my, my sexual preferences, my kinks, my, uh, all of these are things that 15, 20 years ago had absolutely no business in the office. You go to the office to get a job done and that's it. You talk to your coworkers about the job and that's it. But somewhere along the line, the, the woke agenda moved and Google was definitely the first place I saw it to say, no, if you have all of these identity groups, if, if your pronouns are JavaScript and PHP, we want you, we want you to put that in your email signatures. Um, that came to work and suddenly all of the identity bullshit that people have to tiptoe around because you might offend somebody flooded into the workplace where instead of thinking about, you know, oh, the, the database is down again, you know, Hey, uh, Joe, the database is down. And he's like, no, I'm Joan today. Thank you very much. Like, (laughs) I don't give a fuck what you're called. The database is down, go fix it. That would get me a trip to HR now because of misgendering somebody where back in the day, it actually was something about whether or not the company was going to succeed or all of our users were going to be turned away because the website's broken. 
So right. because team building, you're looking for the things that make people similar. You want to rally the whole crew. You don't want to be like, well, everybody's really, really different. Like, no, you're doing the same thing. You know, so, you're working on the same team. Come on. So an ERG, as far as I can tell, and, and this was in the context of groups on either Slack or Microsoft Teams. Uh, so which both of which are effectively IRC clones with a few extra features. But so channels, they have channels where they are invite only for a particular group. So there'd be an ERG for ADOS. There'd be an ERG for trans. There'd be an ERG for women only. There'd be an ERG for, uh, you know, lesbian Latinos who actually identify as Asian or whatever. You know, now whatever, that's a rare group right there. Yeah. <laughs> whatever group you have, what you do is you make exclusive chat rooms for the purpose of only inviting people in the right demographic groups. Now, if you do not understand how incredibly divisive this is and how much it destroys workplace camaraderie on its face, then you're probably brainwashed. You're probably already in on the woke ideology. Well, yeah, because that is the hilarity of it is they're pushing these things as being good as this is this is no, this is diversity. This is the it, way things sh- divisiveness. It is yeah. saying we are going to invite you and you and you because of your skin color into our private chat room where we can talk about other people behind their back. And, you know, that happens. In fact, it does happen. So his coworker complaining about ERGs and he was in he's he's uh, Asian, although he's from Florida. So I would not have called him Asian other than he has Asian features. But whatever, um, you know, his his family is from China, but he was born in I don't remember. I, I don't want to dox him, but he's he grew up in Florida. And so as far as I'm concerned, he's as American as I am. But uh, he wraps his Asian identity around him like a cloak. And he was upset about the ERG at work for Asians because the person who was running it was a Karen uh, and was saying, uh, you know, he, he was complaining that, uh, you know, the people in the ERG, they want to be all welcome and open. And they say that everybody is happy to chat about anything, any any issues you have. But there's all of these unwritten rules that people have to follow. And if you don't follow, you get kicked out of the ERG. And uh, it, it's resulting in nobody wants to actually speak their minds. And it's frustrating because there's real topics that we should be talking about. But the only thing we can talk about is the weather and, uh, you know, <laughs> and the other the other topic that apparently is totally fine is any kind of bias or allegations of racism against other groups, which, again, back to my divisiveness. But all of his complaints were basically about people having to self-censor. Because there's so many unwritten rules in the group. And if you break any of them, then the Karens will kick you out. And you want to belong to the group. Wait, you uh, can get kicked out of the group made especially for you? Oh, absolutely. It's invite only. And if if you are toxic in any way, meaning that you say something you think rather than something that's politically correct, you will be kicked out of the group. I guarantee there is no ERG for grumpy old white dudes in any of these companies. So my ERG would be a chat room of one. And I'm kind of okay with that really. But it's one of the reasons why I hate corporate culture so much, even though I'm not there anymore. Well, and that is something that gets toxic very quick. The moment that was awesome 
was when he was complaining about this. And I absolutely recognize the hypocrisy and lack of self-awareness from a woke dude complaining about forcing people to self-censor because of unwritten rules. But the opportunity I saw was I said, well, have you ever heard of an idea called over-socialization? Because you just described it. It is, you know, and and I kind of described over-socialization is the anxiety that people feel when they are part of a social group that has so many unwritten rules that you have to constantly check your language and prevent yourself from speaking. And the more the cognitive dissonance get between what you're allowed to say in the social room and what you're actually thinking, the greater that gulf is, the greater your anxiety. And it actually manifests as mental problems that are diagnosable. That's called over-socialization. Most people don't call it that, but I got this from a professor who described it in a well-known paper back in 1996. The guy was at Harvard and you should look up the term over-socialization. I think you'll find it exactly describes what you're talking about here. You're still getting the dead man, some new converts, huh? (laughs) Uncle Ted needs some. Uh, Yeah. Professor Ted ideas worth spreading. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a reason why people keep falling into the same things over and over because it continually pushed into their heads. And you're right. It's a brainwashing, absolutely brainwashing. And it's sad that people fall for it, that they don't understand. This has been going on for decades. This whole, no, no, we need to separate people. We need to separate people. We need to decide based upon the color of your skin, whether you're worthy or not. And for anybody that stands up and like, Oh, this seems like a good idea. You have to ask yourself why. It's so insane. now that we've been here talking about politics for an hour, can yeah. I go to AI? Yeah, let's go to AI. That's a okay. good idea. Uh, actually, I'm going to start with. I thought you were uh, going to be like, actually, I don't have any AI stories. I was, I was no, just a bluff. I, I, I do. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just digging through. Um, okay, let's, let's go ahead and start with uh, a, a story I got. From uh, originally, this came from Analytics India magazine, which I had never heard of, but there's actually some fascinating stuff in there. Uh, Analytics India, if you look at the acronym for that, is AI, and it has a lot of great AI news. I'm going to start checking this more often. Um, But uh, one of the things, one of the stories that I got from there was one of uh, just how much money do you think it costs to run ChatGPT? I would bet it's astronomical. I, I, apparently, by the way, uh, it, when, when OpenAI was a, a nonprofit organization and started first developing, you know that OpenAI famously switched from nonprofit to for-profit right before releasing ChatGPT the first time. And uh, apparently one of the, uh, uh, Sam Altman, the, the CEO, um, is starting to say some things that might not necessarily be along the company line. And he's suddenly become much more interesting. And uh, among other things, he let out that uh, the reason was because of just how much it costs. I want to throw out a number. Let's pick a day, one day. What does it cost for OpenAI to run the chat GPT everything for one day? Well, this is probably similar to the number that it cost, even just electric wise for the whole Bitcoin infrastructure to go on. But I would bet. So just because they're running this chat GPT, I don't know how many servers they're running. I would I just, guess you're probably talking uh, 
half a million to a million bucks a day, if not more? I, I did not expect that you would even be in the ballpark. Uh, the number is $700,000 a day. Oh, see, right. I'm right there. So if you, you know, give me in between the 500 and a million, we're yeah. right there. Yeah. $700,000 a day to run chat GPT is what it costs. How much do you think they're taking in? I don't have a number, but it's a lot less than that. I was, yeah, was going to guess a lot less <laughs> than. Uh... So at this point, OpenAI exists solely on Microsoft's investment. Now, Microsoft invested $10 billion in OpenAI at 700000 a day. They can keep that thing up for 40 years. And that's what they plan. And then they're closed. They're and done. That might be what they're doing. <laughs> But they do not have revenue streams. OpenAI went private, but they are not uh, they are not profitable. Um, one of the things pointed out is, uh, you know, where are they going to get this revenue stream now that the flash in the pan of ChatGPT is starting to wane a little bit? Uh, one of the stats that I pulled was um, ChatGPT had 1.7 billion users in June. In July, they had 1.5 billion. That's a pretty steep decline. Well, it is summer. Less kids cheating on their homework. Maybe. Actually, that might that might have something to do with it. People writing their final essays in June. Uh And then they're Uh, done and they take a few months off. They'll be back. Well, maybe they'll be back. Um, One of the things that was going to be a big revenue stream for OpenAI was uh, people paying for access to ChatGPT in order to run things on the servers and basically selling AI as a service. That was going to be a thing that they wanted to sell. And one of the problems that they're having is that ChatGPT service is actually competing with another thing OpenAI offers, which is their API access to the GPT model. Um, And what's happening is that there's a lot of companies out there now that... I don't know if this is FUD or not, but there's a lot of concern amongst companies out there now that when you use ChatGPT with your proprietary data, that that data gets rolled in to improve the model. And that data might end up resurfacing when some other company does a search on your stuff, on your technology. And so there is actually a lot of concerns about people using ChatGPT for industrial espionage, for uh, trying to exfiltrate trade secrets, because things, well, actually, up until about a month ago when OpenAI changed their policy, anything that you put into ChatGPT was folded into the data model. And a lot of people started saying, whoa, 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 we can't do this. And so there were a lot of people out there who were, very concerned. In fact, there's a uh, stories of companies who would put out edicts saying our employees are not allowed to access chat GPT at work period. That's pretty harsh. I, and I think the reason is that there are a lot of higher ups who are suddenly really concerned that this is a way that our proprietary data, you know, you right. can feed all your data into the machine to get insights out of it. But now where does that data go? And OpenAI very recently made a pledge. Oh, if you do this, that data, you know, we won't use that data. Well, Which is I mean, good they, because that was my question. And I believe I mentioned it here. I still never got a response when Adobe started their generative fill and all of the AI stuff that is then the new Photoshop beta. 
I had those questions because you know it processes this stuff in the cloud. So the same kind of thing. You're giving it data. Maybe it's proprietary. You know, maybe it's a photo of your girlfriend and you're changing things on the photo. It's like, well, if that photo goes to Adobe in order for you to make whatever changes you want, do they store that photo? Does it roll into their AI learning? Is there, you know, it seems like there could be a huge privacy issue at that point. And I, and I think there is. And I asked those questions. I'm like, can you, can you let me know? I'm like, I do multiple podcasts. I gave them the links, which is maybe why I didn't get an answer. But well, we, we actually do have a, a bit of an answer um, from, from our, our, our AI consultant of the show. Oh, CSB. Who, uh, yeah. Who uh, is actually, oh, never mind. That's, is correcting me. I'm sorry. Oh, that well, apparently, that's... I am conflating GPT model training and model inferencing. Cool. And I got to admit, I, I'm. I am more knowledgeable about this stuff than most people, but I don't think there's, I think there's probably only about two dozen people in the world who know more about it than, than CSB. And I don't know the difference between those two concepts. So maybe I don't know as much as I thought. Well, there would be the power that it takes for the language models to basically compile themselves, I believe, as opposed to somebody then just querying. I mean, I'm guessing there are different, uh, different modes when these things work again, just like with the Adobe, then, you know, it's got, it's all of the, uh, the model. And when you go and try to play with any of this art, there are a bunch of different models you can, you know, use people upload different things that if you really want it to be good at doing Asian women, then there's a model for that. You can do all sorts of different things based upon how it's trained. And it's the training I would guess versus the using which model, I don't think it really matters whether it's art or language, but the Adobe thing, it's like, this is very concerning when dealing with photographs and the fact that they didn't even answer the email. I'm just like, well, are you storing this? Is this a privacy issue? What are you doing with the data that is uploaded to you? And I think people would want to know. And when they're not giving an answer, it's like, that's, that's very scary. It's like, I would be very careful. This isn't, this isn't just industrial espionage. You, if you upload picture of say yourself or your kids, right? Can those be used to dox things? Will those be used to to flood fill later or something that you don't want near your kids? Right. I, and this I, is, there are concerns. Yes, and I would think people want to know that, and I get it. It's in beta. Maybe they don't want to answer it yet. Maybe there's a lot of questions that they have to answer before. You know, when this actually goes into prime time, when this goes into a non-beta version, I'm guessing there may be more to the terms of service that you will find out. But you have to be careful when anything is being worked on in the cloud. This is where the lines start getting blurred. We talked at length on the last episode about having windows in the cloud rather than based on your own machine. This is very concerning stuff because your data is now passing through somebody else's hands. Somebody else has access to it. And it's just damn creepy when he has, when he really comes down to it. So the article, if I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to get back to this. I don't know why uh, it's not nearly as interesting as you talking about Adobe. But, um, the article basically pointed to OpenAI is having some real problems because it costs them an astronomical amount to run ChatGPT and their ChatGPT service is declining in interest. Um, the article pointed out three major places where they are getting massive competition. One is 
OpenAI's own API service because a lot of people sensing the, you know, we don't want our data to get out, will instead connect to the APIs and build their own in-house AI front end that doesn't uh, apparently protects their data somehow. Um, So, yeah, I'm not sure how that would be much different, but that's an interesting take. I'm not sure. Again, I didn't. I didn't dig in too much, but apparently somehow it protects. I, I guess it's better than just sending your data all to OpenAI's cloud, which, by the way, is in Azure, most of it, uh, and saying, oh, please churn for a while. Oh, great black box and give me, uh, you know, uh, like it's like putting a coin in that little talking head with the turban in it at, at a carnival. Uh, right. You're going to get yeah. something spit out. You're going to get something, but you have no idea what or where it's coming from. Anyway, the, the second source of uh, stiff competition against ChatGPT is uh, all of the other open source LLM models. ChatGPT was the first one to make big waves in tech news. And it's there are a lot of people out there who still completely associate all AI uh, large language models are GPT. It's just, you know, the two terms are interchangeable. It's not. GPT is one of them. But, uh, you know, there's... Uh, the llama two from Facebook. Okay. It's from meta and had nothing to do with the Facebook site, but I refuse to call that company meta because I think meta is a generic term that should not have been taken over as a trademark by a giant mega corporation. So as far as I'm concerned, they're Facebook. Um, there's another model called chinchilla from DeepMind, Ernie bot from Baidu, uh, Lambda. I, I was fascinated by the names of some of these. Oh yeah. Don't Lambda forget Claude. I like Claude. Claude from Anth- Anthropic. Uh, there is a model, one of the ones I had not heard of, Alexa TM from, would you guess, Amazon? Yeah, I was going to say, it has to be if it's an Alexa. And the third source of uh, stiff competition against ChatGPT, especially if OpenAI thought that they were going to make money on the enterprise side, which let's face it, from in Silicon Valley, the enterprise is where all the money is because you can charge somebody for an enterprise service 50 times what you, what a consumer is willing to pay. But on the enterprise side, their stiffest competition for chat GPT is actually coming from Microsoft. Microsoft has now developed and is releasing a, uh, a separate enterprise chat GPT service on Azure that cuts out open AI uses their model and nothing else. Ooh. Um, there, the plug, I, I went to the page and looked at the, the plug that Microsoft is pushing for enterprises to use the Microsoft service and not the open AI one is chat GPT risks exposing confidential intellectual property. One option is to block corporate access to chat GPT, but people always find workarounds. Instead, this is offered to enterprises as a private chat GPT and Microsoft guarantees that when you do this, none of your corporate data will ever be shared with OpenAI. It will stay on the Microsoft Azure services. Yeah, don't let OpenAI because, get your data. Microsoft because much better. Because OpenAI is untrustworthy, but right. Microsoft is fine. Hey, I mean, I guess you get to choose your poison at least. <laughs> but come on. You got to be careful about who you share your data with. Yes. Uh, and I, I'm not sharing my data with any of them which is probably the best way to go. Although then you have to make sure that your Minecraft server does not take down your lightning node. I guess so. But I was thinking of AI. These things are important. 
when one of the big stories that came across my desk was a Texas woman awarded in a revenge porn lawsuit against her ex-boyfriend. What do you think the award was in this case? A tree fitting. $1.2 billion. That would be more. Yeah. And it's like, I can't. Okay. One, it's fairly interesting because like, AI. Uh, who, who, was the, who was the boyfriend? Who was the defendant here? Unless it was Bezos or Bill Gates. Right. How do they even think? You won't, which is. That's, that's a, that is the definition of judgment proof. This is the problem. And this was a Fox News article. So basically, the woman admits to sending her then boyfriend some racy selfies. That seems what this is, not a full on, you know, porn that they made together or anything, but they broke up. And then he decided he was going to upload these photos everywhere. And I mean, the dumbest thing he did, I guess, was texting her what he was doing. Because otherwise, proving who uploads somebody's photos, not an easy thing to do. (laughs) You know, I mean, so you kind of. I don't know if you've ever picked up on this, but criminals aren't always the brightest bunch. They are not. They are not, but neither are people giving a $1.2 billion settlement. And if Fox, then. Well, juries aren't always the brightest bunch either. No. It's like, well, I I doubt that any of this will be able to be collected. It's like, well, yeah, because the guy doesn't have a billion dollars. So, you know, they're like, well, they they made this punitive. And never will. (laughs) uh The punitive verdict also is the jury's plea to raise awareness to this tech-fueled national epidemic, said the attorney. Oh, that makes sense. The jury is full of activists. Uh huh. That's what that's what activists do. They raise awareness, in as this, if that's what we need in our lives is more spam about shit we don't care about. But let's just rethink of this. Revenge porn is a tech fueled national epidemic. Again, this is like blaming the law abiding gun owners for all of the assholes that commit crimes with guns. This is not a tech fueled issue. No, no. Go read. Go read this scarlet letter. People were talking shit about other people in revenge for something long before there were computers. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking this is now in an AI world. I'm curious if there would be any difference at all. I would think as a fair-minded person that Well, there's your problem. This is yeah, I know. It always gets me in trouble. But it's like, what do you think if we're going to? And I don't know if there should be any difference in the penalty if there is a penalty at all. But let's just say there is a penalty and there should be a penalty for sharing somebody's nude photographs that they shared with you, which to me, the contract is if you gave them to me, I now own them. I can do whatever I want with them. If you sent them to me, then if something else happens to them, That's a matter of trust, but this is not a contract that says you will never show these to anybody else. You won't use these for anything else, but we have the ability now to fake these kind of photos fairly easily. This is going to become a much more prevalent thing for all the women or men who would have never done such a thing as sending a naked selfie or making a more risque video. It's now becoming child's play nearly to make these things out of thin air do those things still hold this same weight 
that every once in a while, I, I feel like I've missed out on an important part of culture because I've never sent a naked selfie. I, I haven't either. Cause I'm not a moron. Also, there's nobody out there who wants naked selfies of us. Let's <laughs> just face it. We're not getting, we're not getting a lot of requests was that would be no. the, uh, the nice way to say it. I mean, of course now people are going to request them, but it's like, fuck you. We're not doing it. Cause we know what you're going to do with them. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll totally give you a naked selfie. It just won't be of me. Exactly. <laughs> But now would you feel, okay, here, that would be the question. Now uh, you have the ability, you're a Ben, you're a coder, you know how to take to use, to use an AI service to go create a right. person that doesn't exist. Yes. I know how to do that. Well, to take your face and put it on the body of a guy that doesn't exist and then just send it out there good old selfie nude, but it's not really you just your face. Does that have the same impact as a real photo? Cause we're going to start dealing with this. I mean, if we're giving 1.2 billion away, the revenge porn stuff's about to get crazy. Well, impact is such a subjective term and depends so strongly on the emotional fragility of the person involved. And, you know, the kind of things that if you, you know, 25, 30, 50 years ago, if you complained, you know, hey, somebody, somebody called me a whore. Be like, well, are you? Right. No. Was it okay, accurate? Why are you? What's the problem? Right. And nowadays people will go months in therapy just because someone used the wrong damn pronoun. Well, and because so, it was said about them on the internet and other people are going to read it. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah, God. That, the internet makes everything worse. Uh huh. Well, this, this is, true. by the way, this ties in pretty well to uh, a little bit of research I did because I was so disgusted about some anti-doxing laws that have been passing recently. Um, and uh, recently, the uh, the three that I really dug into, one was passed in Oregon in 2021. Uh, one was proposed and made it through the Washington State Senate, although it got stuck in committee. So it's still not the law here in Washington, although I'm sure that they would enforce it if it you know, had anything to do with a, a old white Republican. Um, and the third one is one that passed uh, just this week in Illinois. Oh, and. In all cases, it basically is trying to shut down the idea of doxing. And I was going to, I was going to dig in a little bit if, if you want, uh, on what exactly these laws are making illegal, which would be good because I know there is many different levels of doxing people. And there are things that are, there's been legal battles in the past. If the information is public, I mean, we used to have phone books. You used to be able to just look up somebody's address and phone number. Now this information, well, they gave it away. They dox me and this is against the law in some yeah. parts. So it's like, what makes, what's the difference between public information and doxing somebody? Ah, uh, well, see, there are important caveats and carve outs in the law that make it so be. that if, if I give someone your address, then I become civilly or criminally liable. But when the county assessor's office does the same thing for free, That's then fine. it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. That um, makes no, sense. Th this is okay. Let's uh, go ahead and start with the Oregon law, uh, which is the, the older one of the first ones in the nation. In fact, uh, Oregon HB 3047 that passed in 2021 uh, establishes a civil cause of action. And that's, that's a distinct difference between some of these. Um, the, you know the difference between civil and criminal. Yeah, one's criminal money means, and one's jail. Yeah, criminal means the cops will come and throw your ass in jail. 
civil means that if you do this, then people can sue you and the law will provide a mechanism that says you're guilty. Um, This is a civil course of action that covers your home address, personal email, personal phone number, social security number, contact information for your employer or family member. Uh, By the way, resume sites uh, or this one was odd because it was a section of its own photographs of the plaintiff's children. So Instagram, take heed. Yeah, you got to be careful. Um, you know, it's stop posting pictures of your kids because, well, actually, there's lots of reasons you shouldn't post pictures of your kids to an open forum that anybody can just grab them and feed them into AI. And Well, because anyway. soon they'll be able to be like, we've got your kid and they'll show you a video that looks like they got your kid, but they don't really got your kid. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, really? You've got my kid. Then who's this sitting next right. to me? Oh, no, <laughs> it's a oh, it's a trap. You know, oh crap, I have a kid. Yeah, no, that, that's the other problem, right? <laughs> Shit, when did so, this happen? The cause of action comes into play if the person transfers, publishes, distributes, exhibits, advertises, or offers any of the covered information with the purpose of injuring or harassing uh, that person. So, I, and here's where all of these laws, it starts to bug me. Um, there is actually in the Oregon law a definition for the word harass. To subject another to severe emotional distress, subjective, such that the individual experiences anxiety, fear, torment, or apprehension. So people know feel that attention. all the time. But there's a lot of people out there who've experienced that all the time. The idea of walk, stepping out of their house, the idea of getting up in the morning causes them to experience anxiety, fear, torment, or apprehension. Microaggressions, the kind of thing oh that you can do without even knowing you're doing it will cause someone to experience anxiety, fear, torment, or apprehension. This is just like a person getting offended because the decision to experience anxiety, fear, torment, or apprehension is made entirely on the victim's side, and the person doing it has zero control over it. And that's why I hate this law. Right. I like that we can sue people for doing things they don't even know they're doing. They don't know they're doing and cannot control it. I can walk up to somebody and say hello. And they will experience anxiety, fear, torment, and apprehension because I said hello to them. Now, the way I look, that might actually be a normal response, but let's go with it. I'm just saying I I can't control whether or not you have anxiety, fear, torment, and apprehension. It's it's not in my, I I do not control that. Um, The other part of this law that I absolutely hate is the with intent to injure or harass because, and this is, A problem with a lot of laws out there, laws will say, oh, it's different if you meant to do it than if you didn't mean to do it. But in a courtroom, you can't prove intent. No, not unless somebody's dumb enough to text somebody that they meant to do it. The the defense against any law that says you had to intend to is the defense is, oh, I didn't know. Didn't do it. Yeah, I I didn't mean to. I didn't like it. You know, oh, I was flirting, but I thought she'd be good with that. I thought that I was good enough on a hotness scale for it to be flirting and not harassment. They're like, sir, look at you, <laughs> sir. I mean, that's, that's an obvious lie. Okay. So let's compare to the Washington law, which again, this one didn't actually pass in law. That's not to say that the cops won't show up at your house and shoot your dog for it, but it's not officially on the law site because it got stuck in committee. However, um, the text of this was, uh, Well, it's in Washington, so I had to read it. 
Washington law, the big difference is it is a criminal offense under this. And by the way, this uh, the one that's stuck in committee right now is actually the second time that it came through. So if it comes through a third time, then J.F. Inslee is probably going to be signing it. But it is criminal to post publicly, personally identifying information without consent. Okay, without consent is actually provable. Uh, Knowing that it is, quote, reasonably likely to cause the person to, quote, experience harassment. Um, Reasonably likely is, is a tough one. Because again, very subjective experience. Harassment is again, it's highly subjective because yeah. you can claim harassment for, you know, I right now, the, the climate change is harassing me because I'm sweating freely in this room right now. Um, okay. Um, it, you also, the posting has to cause a quote, substantial life disruption or injury, death or harassment. Well, one of these is not like the others. <laughs> Um, I don't know what what substantial life disruption is. The example actually given by the owner or the the person who submitted the legislation was if it causes you to delete your social media account. (laughs) If if that is what is necessarily a a substantial life disruption, then you don't have much of a life, do you? No, no, that is not a good barometer. But here's the part that I really liked out of the Washington one. Um, So. It is a criminal offense in in this Washington law to post things without consent, knowing it is reasonably likely to cause you to experience harassment or substantial life disruption, whatever the hell that means, or injury or death. But we're pretty sure we know what that is. Um, However, it is the exceptions to the law. It is not criminal, no matter what you do. You can send SWAT teams to people's house. You can put people's uh, personal address, email, social security number on social media sites. You can do anything you want and it will not be unlawful if you are reporting an unlawful activity uh, or if any of the activity is in any way connected to any government agency. I am not kidding. That is the carve out. The carve out is it is not illegal when the government does it. But is it also saying it's not illegal if you do it to members of the government because that seems like that would be a really weird thing for people in the government it, to pass uh okay i didn't i didn't write down the specific language of that but it was something to the effect of if done in uh pursuant to any legitimate government organization or, uh, or government activity oh. or on behalf of any government agency among other things it means that government employees cannot possibly dox you they can you know the if, if a private company gets breached and loses the entire database, they could be on the hook for millions of counts of criminal doxing. But if a, it happens to the light department of licensing and every citizen in the entire state gets all of their personal information really breached, by the way, this did happen in, was it Louisiana? It happened a couple months ago in one of the States. Um, that's not illegal because there's literally a carve out that says, Oh, if it's a government, it's not illegal. Do I have to verify the legality of any kind of these actions as well? Or if I just dock somebody because I thought it was illegal to eat boogers on your uh, deck, then it's okay. I mean, what if you're wrong and it it, isn't illegal? Well, it it didn't say that I actually checked for this. It did not say, report the activity that you think is illegal, which would be a huge loophole. Right. It actually says unlawful activity. Okay. So if it's not unlawful, then you are then doxing. 
If you think yeah. it's unlawful, but you're wrong about it being unlawful, you go then from being unlawful. Then they don't go to your neighbor and shoot their dog. They'll come to you and shoot your dog. That makes sense. Rightfully yeah. so. Sure. Okay. Okay. Let's, uh, oh, and there's one other carve out. And I loved that this was included. And it says it is also not a criminal offense to dock somebody when the uh, when the activity is, quote, uh, in connection with lawful and constitutionally protected activity. What? So there is actually a carve out in the law that says if the thing you're doing is protected by the Constitution, then we're not making it illegal. Which, by the way, that's true of every law, you dumbass. It's just that now, but, but the way that they set it up though, is the scary part is because you will still be arrested for doxing. If the activity that you're doing is protected by the constitution, by the way, there's a silly little thing called the first amendment, which speech is technically protected by the constitution. Um, this carve out, in my opinion, completely invalidates the whole law because any form of doxing should be considered constitutionally protected speech and therefore can't be made illegal. But the way that this is done and the way that it's set up is you have to argue constitutionality as a criminal defendant. You will still be arrested for doing it. And that right there is the chilling effect. And then you can argue to a judge, no, I was using speech and speech is protected by the First Amendment. Just another domino in the war against free speech against the constitution. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. which of course is also against the constitution. So all of this was something that I researched in the Washington law, but the Washington one isn't a law, so it shouldn't be a big concern. But the reason why I brought that one is because I then read the Illinois law, which passed the Illinois house unanimously on August 4th and will it is now going to be a lie. It didn't say it had gone to the governor. I don't know if the governor has to care about these sort of things or if just passing the house was good. And I, I'm not sure how Illinois works or if they even. Illinois doesn't work there. But Jay yeah, fucking Pritzker is just as bad as Jay fucking Inslee. They're I the Jay fucking brothers. It. Yes, I do not doubt this, except that Pritzker is, is really more about corruption and less about climate change. But well, this is there's true. not a lot of differences. This is true. Um, but. The Illinois law, which will go into effect on January 1st of 2024, um, is almost verbatim a copy of the Washington law that didn't pass. Almost. What did they uh, change? One of, well, it, it's a civil action and not a criminal action. So that's at least a better. What that means is that the cops will not come and knock down your, kick down your door. Uh, instead, if you dock somebody, they sue you in civil court. Which the cops is, won't even knock down your door in Illinois if you shot 14 people. Well, they will if you're sufficiently white. Oh, okay. Or is it black? Or if if your race is the wrong color for whatever the ideology, I, I don't changes. know where I'm going with this. Yeah. It, it really depends on where you are and, and where, what. Anyway. So um, creates a civil action if you intentionally publish another person's PII without without consent. With intent and with knowledge or reckless disregard that the person would be reasonably likely to suffer death, injury, or stalking. Um, so the uh, intent, hard to prove. Knowledge or reckless disregard, uh, very subjective, hard to prove. 
would be reasonably likely to suffer stalking. Okay. Um, it, it's again, very wishy-washy, uh, the kind of thing that they pretty much left all the details up to the courts. So it really matters, uh, whether you get an activist judge or not. Okay, fine. Um, it has exactly the same exceptions. Um, uh, there's an exception. There's no civil action. If you are reporting criminal activity to law enforcement, um, there is no exception with anything connected, to any government activity. And there's, uh, you know, there's an exception for any activity protected under the constitution, which again, I would argue if I were a lawyer trying to defend somebody from this, say, uh, it's speech, it's protected under the constitution, dismiss this shit with prejudice. What fun would that be? Well, if it comes down to winning cases and collecting a lawyer's fee. Well, this, yeah. I mean, we're going to start mixing together doxing and the revenge porn, and then you have a winning combination. So I guess that was a long way to go to say there's at least three states out there, and I know there's a lot more, who are officially trying to make owning a phone book illegal. <laughs> yeah, and where does it matter if you're a citizen of Illinois? And no, I run across the border to Indiana. And then post the information if I've still broken the law. If, if you VPN to Panama. Right. If I VPN to Panama, am I technically posting from Panama or from Illinois? Uh, yes. There was absolutely nothing in there about uh, whether or not you are an Illinois person, whether or not the act act happens in Illinois. It is, there was nothing in there. So I assume that if they feel like they can bring cause against you for any if there's any interaction, if you live in Illinois, if you happen to drive through on your way to somewhere more interesting, I'm sure that they'll, you know, they'll just twist it and say, we want to get this guy. Well, you there. That, that is what we refer to as prosecutorial discretion, which means that if your prosecutor decides it's a crime, it's a crime and the law supports that. Yeah. That's how it works. And if you're a white Republican, you're probably going to get charged. Just saying. Uh, I had another, oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, I mean, I see both sides of this one and this is where it gets, these kinds of stories get interesting for me because I think there's a lot of people who would go, well, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's right that somebody can take your social security number or your private address or your phone number and publish that for the whole world. And they don't think about the first amendment and what they're saying this is the same kind of thing when somebody's like no germany they have free speech laws i'm like well can you say hitler's cool no well then you don't have free speech and this is (laughs) the carve outs for these kind of things is what is really dangerous if you don't pay attention because it's a domino effect and people go, well, of course we don't want this. Of course we don't want this. Of course we don't want this. And the next thing you know, you have no free speech at all. It's, it's first order thinking. It, it is, it is reactionary first order thinking that leads to most of the worst laws in the world. It is. And here's exactly how it goes. This is, this happens so often it's got a name. It's called the politician syllogism. Uh, a thing happens. We decide that that thing is bad. We want to prevent it from happening again. Um, so the, the syllogism is somebody needs to do something. This is something. So we have to do this. And so what you end up with is a reactionary law 
that always is, you know, it, it's there ought to be a law syndrome. It is a law that says, you know, oh, uh, a, a mentally ill person managed to stab somebody else. Well, we need to create a law that says you can't stab each other if you're on the drug that this person was on. You're like, but we already have a law that you can't stab each other. <laughs> well, and but, then you have things like Tourette's where occasionally people will say things that they cannot control. Well, you're then having to treat people differently because you're like, well, no, this person can say it, but no, you can't because whatever. So the result is, you know, when, and when I say first order thinking, it is you draft a law that says, uh, you know, if it turns out it was really bad when a say hypothetically, a, self-driving car runs over a pedestrian. And so the first order thought might be, oh, self-driving cars are unsafe. Let's ban them. And that suddenly has all kinds of unintended consequences. But because, because you're thinking, and when I say first order thinking, I mean, the only thing you're thinking of is the immediate result as applies to the thing you're thinking of. You are not going back, stepping away and saying, if we make rules about this, this would be higher order thinking. If we make rules about this, how would it apply to other situations? Right. And the people who draft bad legislation never step back and do higher order thinking. They never stop and think, how is this going to affect everything else? They just say, we need a law that would prevent this situation. You pass the law and then suddenly you realize that it is creating unintended consequences everywhere. I still maintain that every legislation creates unintended consequences. The argument can be had whether or not the intended ones benefit our, or you know, outweigh the unintended ones. But when you create reactionary laws to something that the benefit will almost never outweigh it. Seems about I actually right. have one of those. Uh, I can, I can bring, or we can go to donations. I have the kids online safety act, which is going through Congress right now. I finally Ooh. looked it up and uh, this is a bad one. Well, let's do some donations and then get to that story. That'll be what we call a tease boys Ooh. and girls. A tease. Hey, I, you, we got some candy here. Stick around. Feeling a little teased right now. Yeah, you should be. This is a value for value show. Some people understand that more than others. We put the shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to listen to them. You get to enjoy them, including live on Wednesday afternoons, if you so choose by using the mighty no agenda stream. And if you've gotten any value out of the shows you are listening to now, the show you're listening to now, the shows you've listened to before, it's up to you to put a number on it. Go over to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. Click that donate button if you want to use the evil PayPal. You can use the QR codes, wallet addresses. If you want to do the crypto thing, you can go the snail mail route if you really want to trust Uncle Sam with your donation. However you want to do it, it's all very much appreciated. And we have a few people to thank today, including Harry Pilgrim, who came in the uh, big, big, big with uh, a four way split between the shows that I do. So twenty five dollars per show. And that's very much appreciated. Harry Pilgrim. That's awesome. We see the uh, the name constantly in the podcasting 2.0 when he's streaming some Satoshis. So. It's always nice to see people getting involved in that as well. As we said, that is taking off big time too. As long as Ben Rose can keep his uh, note open, it makes it a lot easier to take. Yeah, well, the, 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 the trick is apparently how much Minecraft I'm playing. Yeah, play less. 
buy a raspberry pie can't you put the whole lightning thing on a raspberry pie like cheap and easy I, a raspberry pie costs a lot of money these days. Oh, that's true. They're not like 40 bucks anymore. Yeah, your, your, your asses are not donating me a raspberry pie. So the hardware that I'm using is actually the what used to be my main PC in about 2012. It's a it's a beige box with uh, no video card, but it's got a like onboard cheapo graphics that I don't even have a monitor plugged into and uh, a CPU from that era. And I think I upgraded the memory to 16 gigabytes and uh, put some extra big hard drives in it and call it a server. Is it a server? I'm calling it that. That's all that matters. I have it's, no name says I last checked raspberry Pis were about 200 bucks. Damn times have changed. There are a bunch of those little mini boards. I, out there. I remember I should have grabbed some. I remember when they were 40. Uh-huh. You're like, what am I ever going to do with these things? Get money. About uh, 25 bucks from Harry Pilgrim and then coming in via check. What a brave man. Uh, Progo, 12 bucks. You know him from smallcomputer.us, I think is the name of his uh, website that he runs. He's been on the show. He is a true Ben. And when you get him riled up, he's almost as pissed off as you. So it's fun. Yes. He he definitely, the the only problem with Progo is that he is still tied to the corporate life. And therefore, there are things that he's not willing to say. He's self-censoring. Yeah. We need to get him a voice changer. And and nobody censors me except maybe you. That way he can speak freely. No, I don't, I don't censor you. I take the craziest, most outlandish thing you say. I put him at the beginning of the show. Exactly. So so it's like, I've said, that's what I've said before. When you're like, I'm I'm looking for a job. I'm like, do you want to delete all of the grumpy old Ben's? Uh, How do you? So I think, (laughs) no, no, because (laughs) I'm, I'm, I, I have reached the age where the number of fucks I have to give is such that anything I say on the show uh, if if the topic comes up there, I would say the same kind of thing at work. I might do it with with less profanity, and I'm generally it, it, I I'm not going to bring my whole self to work, and I am not going to bring emotional baggage, and I am not going to walk into work and just start bitching about Jay fucking Inslee there. But if somebody brings it up, I'm not going to censor myself. Otherwise, the you know I will try to limit myself to. The, and this, this is the kind of worker that companies want, but not the ones that they know how to hire. I would limit myself to only the conversations necessary to get the job done. And then I go home at the end of the day and start podcasting and bitching. And I even, and I know this is going to be weird, have the ability to not talk about proprietary information from the, a company on the podcast. No way. You wouldn't give away all the company's secrets? Not without a substantial bribe. <laughs> yeah, you need the bribe. I just picture you walking into work day one, torn robe, flip flops, and like an old 80s thermos of cold brew coffee. No, the, the robe. I, no, not the robe. It would be uh, it would be the Aloha shirt. Oh, so you get dressed up and it absolutely will be an Aloha shirt. The uh, that's how I kind of knew I was with the it's, people are going to now be. Now I understand why he had the heart issues. The cardiologist that I have likes to work in a uh, Hawaiian shirt. So there is uh, something to be said about that. But it's stylish and comfortable. Yeah. And obviously just for the people who have much higher IQs than me, maybe I need to get a few more Hawaiian shirts. 
How many people do you imagine those are? I don't know. Probably not many. There's a lot more Hawaiian shirts out there than that. Our buddy Srinivas Murti coming in with 1001. That's a monthly donation, I believe, because it's been coming in monthly. So I'm guessing that's, that's a monthly. That's, that's a clue. You see how quick I pick up on these things? Yeah. It, it seems like it's been coming in monthly. So I think it's a monthly donation. So thank you, Srini. And another monthly donation that's been coming in almost from like week one or two. Brian Hall with his $2.93, but it comes in like clockwork. And it is very much appreciated. I hope Brian is uh, still actually listening to the show and didn't set something up on PayPal. And now is like, I, I don't remember. I don't think I care. <laughs> I just keep <laughs> on sending. That's good. I mean, it would be nice if Brian is still listening, if he'd tell other people so that they would also set up monthly donations. I appreciate that always. Yes. Uh, but you know, if, if I will not discriminate against people who don't have time for longer podcasts, if you would like, to stop listening to Grumpy Old Ben's and continue donating, I'm okay with it. We could even get you a much more condensed version fact, of the show. Even better, you can save yourself from having to listen to it by just donating and recommending it to other people and nothing else. It helps us. Our buddy Memes1337 came in with 2702 sats. That's confusing. It's usually 1337 sats. Oh, yeah, the, the meme pariah. 2702 and he says leet boosting the split stay grumpy oh that must be 1337 twice he figured that we should each get 1337 see math is hard i didn't even pick up that yeah 2702 was double of 20 well it's not exactly double but it's close yeah it's very close i don't understand math it's very confusing well the only thing you need to know about the lightning network is that every activity a few sets bleed off into some place or another yeah, some go to uh, podcasting index. Some go to the app that to, you're using. Some go to Boostbot, who is in the troll room today. I do appreciate when Boostbot is around. Now I'm like scrolling up because there's like 50 sats over and over and over again from Harry Pilgrim, who was using now. So not only did he send in, but he was also streaming the Satoshis while listening to the last episode. Well, actually, no, he was listening to episode 226. So now we know. That Harry Pilgrim's like four episodes behind. I, you know, there are a lot of people who are several episodes behind. And so I will tell for anybody who's listening to this show in November, um, I'm way too warm right now. And uh, I want, <laughs> can you like just forward some of the heat I'm feeling right now? Because in November, I'm going to have the wood stove going and, I, you know, okay. Those are the good old days when you get the yeah. wood stove on. You just get under a nice electric blanket. You hope your wife doesn't throw a big bucket of water on you while you've got the electric blanket on. Yeah. And, and you hope that the electricity stays on and you oh. haven't had it turned off for climate change. Yeah. Well, see, you don't, it's how bad you can't. And at least they can't control your thermostat when you don't have one. Yes, that is very helpful. In but fact, I'm just waiting. No, the, the government can't control my thermostat. Amazon doesn't control my thermostat. The anybody who wants to control my thermostat is going to have to come here and call firewood up the stairs in well, order to i'm just wondering when they're going to make burning firewood illegal and then see what happens i uh, it it actually is at certain times there's times uh and this happens in the winter when we have what's called a thermal inversion in the weather uh when they actually say it's illegal to run your uh fireplace or wood stove even However, if it's your main is, source of there is an exception to that if it is your only source of heat, you can still do it. Yay. 
not breaking the law. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, Clip Custodian came in with 50000 and then Baron of Rotterdam with 15151 and he says, grumpy old boost. I mean, you could boost right now. Anybody listening live right now, now's the time. You have a comment. Now's the time to put them through. Now is the time. And then CSB came in with a couple. Why don't I? Uh... I'm starting to worry about my node. Rotterdam <laughs> boost is not in. <laughs> I'm starting to worry about my node. Yeah. Now I'm looking here and I, after the Baron of Rotterdam, I know CSB sent one, but I don't see it in. Uh, so in I've contracts. got uh, from, from the last two hours, I have uh, clip custodian followed by comic strip blogger, NA millennial C Brooklyn and comic strip blogger again. So, you know, I don't, I'm going to look at, let me look at get. So Albie. I think, I think I'm missing a few of these. And I, I am too, but this is the whole thing with the, uh, uh, and the infrastructure is not all there yet. And now if I pull it up and get Albie rather than Conshacks, yes, I see the Baron so of Rotterdam. If you, want, if you want to be certain that I'll get your donation, then, uh, go ahead and drive up to the Seattle area and just buy me a beer. Yeah, that would be nice. And then here's CSB is when he said, you're conflating GPT model training and model inferencing curva. And then he says, visit www.csb.lol, Corva. And that, that was the one that I missed. I had the, the you're conflating message. I didn't have the advertisement one. And I'm wondering if, if there's something subconscious going on. He came through with one more that said testing Corva yes. because previous returned error on Bemrose's node. So he did I say the last that, one was. I think that even CSB's uh, lightning host knows that he doesn't want to be sending advertisements to me. It could be. <laughs> it could be. And then the uh, clip custodian that looks like double down again. Another 50,000 came through. Really? Yeah. No message. You better look at your node, man. Get your big node. I'm, I need to get this thing going. And a millennial came in with uh, 7777. He says, Darren, are you good at doing Asian women? No, I've never. I've never had the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I never would. But I, as of yet, haven't had the opportunity. And then uh, see Brooklyn Bemrose boost. He just sent that with uh, that would be thirty three thirty three, and another five thousand just came in here from Murray N. Saying it's what I have left. Well, thank you, Murray. We appreciate you listening to the grumpiest podcast in the universe. Cold yes, acid says yes, Darren just needs to find an Asian Taylor Swift. I bet you there's a lot of them. I bet you there's an AI that could do that. And I bet rule 34 has already provided. Probably. But Taylor Swift is just way hotter than Asian women. That's just to me. Everybody has a different opinion. You say that not knowing how hot this Asian Taylor Swift is. Uh, That's true. I I bet that before the end of the show, somebody is going to post a picture that is either AI generated or Photoshopped of an Asian Taylor Swift. And it's totally. It will be like, all right, I'm totally in. Yeah, be like, yep. Uh, okay, uh, you, and you'll be like, I gotta go tell my wife that now I'm monog- or no longer monogamous. Now I've got Asian Taylor Swift, which is okay. uh, which is fine. I mean, if she has the, my wife would sell me to Taylor Swift for just a few Lego sets. I'm pretty sure. Tell her to hold out for a lot of Lego sets. Yeah, a lot. Uh, yeah, have unlimited Lego sets. Yeah, and another like, three thirty three from CSB. Brand new Lego set per month yes. for the rest of his life uh-huh exactly and i think csb sent another test so he's testing he wants to know why these things are failing 
And CSB often failed going to Gene as well, just from different um, yeah. hosts. Different hosts, different apps have problems with different things. I've never been able to quite nail down exactly why, but we appreciate everybody for trying to get the uh, the fundage our way. It's very much appreciated. This is more than just a labor of love. And we actually thought we'd be able to do this and make uh, a decent uh, a decent buck providing yeah, the entertainment. I know we were totally wrong, totally wrong, but we're just, we have to wait till no agenda decides to leave the marketplace and then we can just pick up their sloppy seconds. Yeah. Cause we're like the next best thing. So and I almost had JCD on the rock and roll pre-show. That would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been, but Adam had to ruin it by finally showing. <laughs> yeah. But I, mean, I could just, I'm, now I'm picturing that, that, they're sitting at dinner. Adam thinks he's got plenty of time and Tina's phone's going like, yeah, yeah. Twitter's looking for you <laughs> because Adam is doing the sensible thing and doesn't have his phone at the table. Right. Right. It's like Twitter's looking for you. They think they should be, you, you should be doing a show. I did just get the I, newsletter. I was and totally they, cool with, with the rock and roll pre-show going into bonus time. Yeah, it was bonus time and there will be early time tomorrow as well. Cause they're doing an hour early tomorrow. Are they doing so. it? Okay. Are they doing a live show tomorrow? Yeah, I was. I wasn't a hundred. I guess that's what we refer to as a detail. Yeah, they will be doing a live show tomorrow. So join me on the rock and roll pre-show at uh, one hour earlier. So 10 a.m. I did kind of like, though, how uh, yeah, when when they had discussed on No Agenda, the idea of going an hour early, Adam was like, hey, you know, it's going to be really late here where I am in Amsterdam. Can we go early? And John was totally noncommittal on the show. Well, no, so no Adam let, me, dropped it. let me do my impression of John. <clears throat> Yeah, that would be the non-committal sound. So Adam dropped it. And yeah. then, uh, you know, I didn't even, I woke up at the normal time and was like, how come this is already, you know, the pre-show is already. And I asked, I'm like, why is everybody an hour early? And someone's like, well, go read the newsletter. Right. Well, I, I don't usually read the newsletter. I do and when it's important. But, you know, the last thing that I'd seen heard on the show was John corrupt it and Adam kind of gave up. So I'm like, well, I, I, I didn't know that they decided, well, apparently Adam didn't know either. Right. Right. My favorite thing was like, well, JCD's not in the troll room. So if you are waiting for Adam, can you post that on no agenda social then immediately on a no agenda social? Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. It's like, well, Hey, we got a link Fletcher. We get just about to get him a link to get him on. That well, what? here at grumpy old Ben's, we always start on time, but we don't really have the ability to end on time. Well, right, because we bloviate. We like to go yeah. long. We like to give these produce. Well, we were going to say producers, but it's experts here. On yeah, Grumpy they're experts. They are also producers. Unless they actually we hit have, the guru status. We have expert producers. Yes, we do. And that's what we expect from them is to support the show. Tell a friend, leave a comment or a review, I guess is the better word for it, wherever you get your podcast. So more people can find Grumpy Old Ben's and then be. Uh, exposed shall we say to this fine level of education and enlightenment now you had another law that you were uh, about kids the okay so uh last year richard blumenthal from connecticut uh i i know he's a douchebag because he's in congress um but that must be what the d next to his name was for in the story i anyway um introduced uh, legislation that he called the Kids Online Safety Act. 
Now, if that doesn't sound ominous to you, then you haven't read enough bad legislation recently. Sounds a little predatory. It, it does. And it's predatory against the rights of everybody, whether you're a kid or not. Um, it was introduced last year and got massive, massive pushback from online advocacy groups, the, the EFF, uh, basically everybody who actually read it and did second order thinking was like, this is terrible. You're destroying section 230 and violating the constitution. So he, re- he brought it back. He, he rescinded it. Sorry. I'm, uh, ah, hello. Are you no, there? I, I had to mute because there was some massive uh, coughing. I l- left some coffee on the table anyway. <laughs> so he revised the bill just a little bit and reintroduced it. The bill now has 43 sponsors on both sides of the aisle. Um, one of the quotes, uh, yeah, but uh, the, the notable thing is that the most controversial section of the law was called the duty of care provision, which I will get to in a minute. Um, but it's the one, it, it's pretty awful. The short version of duty of care is it holds online platforms liable if minors see any harmful content. Oh, and that seems after, unreasonable. It is. So after the revision, that section was left almost entirely alone. And they revised a bunch of other parts of the law and said, hey, it's totally good now. You should support it. And of course, without reading it, people on both sides of the aisle all jumped on to help co-sponsor it. So let's just say with uh, 43 co-sponsors and uh, a massive bipartisan support uh, and the fact that it's, you know, for kids. This is definitely on its way to getting passed. Uh, one of the quotes I pulled from one of the critics of it said, uh, part of the reason why COSA, COSA is Kid Online Safety Act, part of the reason why COSA has so much bipartisan support is because both Democrats and Republicans are in favor of censoring opposing viewpoints and are assuming the censorship will go their way, which is so on point. <laughs> well, again, they don't understand any unintended consequences as well. Yes. And they always think that their side is going to be in charge and therefore, Hey, it's always good to expand government power because we have the power right now. Oh yeah. But that changes. Okay. So the duty of care provision is the really onerous bit of this. Um, It holds platforms liable. If minors see any harmful content, harmful is very poorly defined. Uh, They do a lot of ink about, anything that has the potential to cause mental disorders. Now, if you've ever looked at the DSM five, you'd realize that that book doubles as a coffee table and uh, know that the number of, of pre of uh, diagnosable mental disorders in the world right now is rivaling the total number of children who can be diagnosed at this point uh, that, you know, uh, having your, Ring finger longer than your middle finger is a diagnosable disorder in the DSM-5, I'm pretty sure. You know, whatever. Uh, So anything that can create mental disorders is now harmful content. Um, But there's no bright line test in the law about what harmful content is. Um, What it really just does is leaves it wide open. When it's wide open, what it really means is it's up to... First of all, it's up to the platform to decide what they will censor and what they won't. And if they don't do it right, then the platform will be, uh, well, the, the law 
puts it up to the state to prosecute any platform that violates the law, which means that the decision of what is and is not allowed on the internet is now being thrown to the 50 state attorney generals. If you go back to the conversation that we had earlier about people seeing a bunch of evidence against Biden and then indicting Trump, for example, you'd know that the state attorney generals are not, as a rule, the most trustworthy people in terms of having the public's back or deciding not to just be blatantly political. So this scares the hell out of me. As Um, it should. And the concept that you can keep somebody that is underage from seeing content, it's like, well, so if they're on a bus and they walk by somebody who's scrolling, then, then uh, you know, somebody's scrolling. Then the in- platform can be held liable. Yeah. And yeah, that's insane. So I want to read a quote from uh, one of the critics of this one. Now, this particular critic actually had a D by their name, and you're going to get that from what's listed in here. But I kind of, I, I really agree with what's being said here. He said, and, and for whatever reason, my notes don't list who said it, which would be a very useful piece of information. But numerous states have attorney generals that are openly hostile to basic human rights. These are the same people who are trying to ban books, ban drag performances, ban gender affirming care, ban abortions, ban people from talking about abortions online, etc., etc. COSA would give them the power to silence speech they don't like. And while I don't necessarily agree with the examples given in that one, I absolutely agree with the sentiment. I don't care if I agree or disagree with the things that the attorney general is being banned. I don't want any attorney general to suddenly have the ability to decide what speech is allowed and what's not. That violates the First Amendment. Yeah, that's the opposite of free speech. Yeah. Everything about this is, you know, for kids. We have to protect kids. In fact, the bill makes no particular restrictions for anybody over 18. Now, this is a big step up from uh, the from COPPA, which only affects uh, involves kids under 13. This one says anybody under 18 who experiences any harmful content. But the fact that the platforms can be held liable pretty much guts Section 230. It, it pretty much completely kills the safe harbor provision of Section 230 and says, oh, yeah, that thing where where you can't be held liable because users post stuff. Yeah, that's out the window. Now, anybody posts a picture of Goatsy and somebody who's 17 sees it, the platform can be sued. Now. There's some provisions in there that are trying to mitigate the chilling effects but I don't think they'll work. Um, the bill requires, or the bill, first of all, the uh, Blumenthal very, very strongly said, this bill does not require platforms to perform age verification. However, the platforms must take, quote, reasonable efforts to mitigate harms if they, quote, reasonably should know that kids are using the platforms. Read between the lines. Every platform that cares about this is going to implement age verification. Well, yeah, because otherwise... Kids are always going to, they're going to lie anyway. And the question is, what methods are you going to use to verify the age? And, you know, spoilers, even those aren't good. Yeah. Uh, By the way, uh, there are two places I was going to go with this. First of all, 
uh, age verification really means that most platforms, at least all the ones that aren't Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, are probably just going to ban everybody under 18 if this passes. Like, oh, sorry. Now, right. It's like the whole it, news thing in Canada. Well, fuck you. We won't yeah. let you play that. It might actually turn out that might turn out to have a good effect because there are certainly a lot of crap on social media networks that kids shouldn't be a subject to. But again, a blanket ban, which is not explicit, but is implicit in this law, a blanket ban on nobody under 18 can see content online. That is not the right solution. That is No. Well, it's impossible to enforce that too. It is impossible. So, I mean, to even pretend you're doing it, who is it helping? What's this really about? Is it about getting money from people? Is it about forcing more people to go into having their whole internet history tracked just in the guise of, because I want to be more convenient. I want to, I mean, I'm just waiting for the time when you get onto the internet again for you to have to verify with your ISP or something. Well, who's using this and everything you do is going to have this attached. Something's going to be attached a little marker that says, this is who is on the other end because it's a real pain in the ass when you go to, I mean, let's think about it. If every site you go to, so if you're one of these people that's on X and meta and all the social media sites, and then you got your banking sites, and then you got your grocery store where you go do your shopping. Then you got Amazon. Then you got Walmart. You got all of these places. They'd be like, can I just do, can I just log in once? And then you're fucked. And you, you just nailed the truly nefarious part about de facto requiring age verification for all platforms. And that is it marks the end of anonymous internet usage. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a little extreme to say, and it won't all happen at once, but uh, age verification systems, even now uh, it, there's, there's a couple States that have, for example, for, you know, we, we brought a Pornhub story a few weeks ago that, that uses, there's a couple States that have a system where you just sign into the state and then the state says, yes, this user has a token that's okay, great. Well, you're not giving your ID to the, to Pornhub now but you are giving your ID to the state and the state now knows that you went to Pornhub and that can be used against you. I don't trust it. Um, You are, you know, you've, you've killed all VPNs. There will not be, you know, anytime you use a VPN, they're going to be like, well, then you're going to have to scan a picture of your driver's license. In fact, you know, scanning a picture isn't good enough. That can be fake. You, we need you to send us your driver's license in the mail. Oh, let me tell you, and we'll send it back when we're done. Let me tell you another little story. One of the, and I told you the other day, that I had a uh, a fake Instagram account that was marked as being, well, we don't like the way you're using this account. So we don't think you're real. We're now going to require you give us a phone number. Nope. That's exactly what I said. But I went and I did an internet search and I found a bunch of these free sites that are like, well, you can do the SMS through this, use our phone number, then read the text here. I, nope. put, I put one of those numbers in. And they blocked it. It was even better. The next thing that came up after I entered the correct code, you know, because that's how the SMS works here. This six digit code proves you're who you say you are. Yeah, I put that in. And the next thing was you need to take a selfie holding up a piece of paper with your ID, this number and this written on it. No, no, this is no. Uh huh. 
But that is the level these fucking companies are going to. So be very careful when that, you're that violates the Illinois anti-doxing law. Tell them that. Uh huh. Like this is. Um, so I guess maybe God bless Illinois. Who knows? Maybe Jake maybe. fucking Pritzker is not so bad. I, I, you know what? You know what? If <laughs> I'm not saying that you should be the one who's adventurous enough to do this because it's gonna, it would be a lot of effort. Yeah. But I want somebody in Illinois to subject themselves to that kind of bullshit and then sue the company. We, because they now have civil cause of action for the anti-doxing. Uh-huh. It's like, well, you can't ask for this kind of information. <laughs> Forcing people to have a phone number, too, is complete and utter bullshit. And I understand why the companies are doing it, but it is killing anonymity online. Because they're very quickly like, well, no, no, it can't be a number and- that you can buy anonymously. Because I'd be more than happy to spend 50 bucks, a hundred bucks a year, whatever it is to have one of these lines. that's just virtual. That can't tie back to me that you can pay for and in crypto or whatever. As with everything, the idea that there is no anonymity online is just being normalized. People are like, well, of course I need to use my real identity. You know, everybody, everybody who signed up for a Facebook account back in the day, you know, every forum before then you'd be like, yeah, I'm of course I'm, you know, go for anus 23. That, that's that's my login. You don't need to know any more about me. And then Facebook. No, that means like, that's plenty to know about you right there. If you're anus, that, it's probably more than you need. But the moment that everybody started getting Facebook accounts, Facebook's like, oh, you have to use your real name. You're like, oh, OK, well, obviously my name is Larry Blydner. <laughs> I'm a Lutfa. Yes. <laughs> That's all you need to know. I identify as a LUTFA. There are, and again, it's always a slow process of moving the Overton window. People are starting to go, oh, well, I don't have anonymity online anyway. All these services require my driver's license. And of course I have to use the services. And by the way, I disagree. I don't use any service that requires that bullshit. But eventually, and this is definitely where we're going, we are going to online digital IDs for using everything. It will be enforced by the Google website DRM that we talked about. It will be, uh, the ID will be issued by the government. Every, you know, eventually every site that you get will of course be verified to make sure that you're not visiting anywhere bad. Uh, the, the company that use will get oh, your full browsing history. The government will get your full browsing history. Um, all of this will be normalized. People will be okay with it. And eventually, uh, probably sooner than you want, uh, the whichever part of the government is in power at the moment is going to start doing web searches to find out if you visited uh, an online uh, Facebook group or, uh, uh, you know, the, the wrong ERG. And now they'll be like, oh, you must have been at January 6th and throw right. you in Gitmo for three years without a trial. Right. And because rather than happen. having to. Find the data. It's just going to be there. It'll just be there. You don't. Uh, I've said it before. The- if I knew what I know now, I would have not started when the Internet, because I was around when the well, not the actual Internet, the way back. But when normal people started using the Internet and all of these things started popping up. I if I knew then what I know now, there's no way I'm Darren O'Neill. I come up with an I new identity. The- that bandrew i mean love no, that you, guy that's what bandrew scott and it's like you, that's it you come up with a new identity I, I don't believe that's his actual real name because i've never heard of a bandrew 
but you come up with an identity and then it can't be traced back to you. I feel like you're already doing that because you stole the identity of some dude in Dublin who right. just wanted to make some Amazon purchases. Just, well, that was a different one. The one in Dublin was the, <laughs> uh, the Irish boxer. I think that won a silver or bronze medal. So I don't want to fuck with him. <laughs> He's really cool. Like him a lot. It's, it was the guy in, it was Northern Ireland. I think that did that, but there's a one in Canada. There's a lot of Darren O'Neill. So I guess it's good that yeah. you can hide behind that. Yeah, my, my problem is that Bemrose is a pretty uncommon name. See, <laughs> so just change your name to Smith. So, I mean, it's just yeah. Brian Smith. I, you know, I, I wonder just how much cognitive dissonance is going to be necessary in order to, to justify having both anti-doxing laws that protect your privacy and also online identity laws that require you to give your true and real government issued identity to every site that you see for the purpose of age verification and checking to see and make sure that you're only looking at approved information online. It's going to be fun to watch. One of the quotes I pulled from the, from the online safety act story. Um, again, I wish I'd start writing down who said this, but uh, said, Effectively ending anonymous speech online and imposing a duty on platforms to protect us from ideas is not bad because it threatens the status quo of major platforms. It is bad because it threatens the First Amendment rights of every American who speaks or receives information online. And that is a sacrifice that Congress is not authorized to make. But they're going to do it anyway. They're going to try. They're going to try. They're absolutely going to try. Our buddy, CSB. He wants more tech, less politics. He gets that was in a boostagram. Well, then send us some AI stories for the next show, CSB. Yeah. Okay. I got, I got one last story real quick. It is AI and it is all about tech. Um, it, it's actually, uh, uh, I'll just give you the headline. Um, the headline is uh, biolabs are using AI to produce synthetic antibodies far faster than they ever could before. And if that doesn't send a chill down your spine, I don't know what is, um, but if we only this, had AI, COVID would not have even been a problem. It would have been cured is, instantaneously. This is fucking mad science. <laughs> what? You mean, it's not bad enough that it's humans doing this when it's just like, you're going to throw it to an AI and be like, Oh, we're going to figure this out. Well, that's, that's what they're doing. And this is basically what the labs have been doing forever is, you know, the, the po- number of possibilities for antibody proteins out there is immense. It's in the millions. And there was a, when it was humans doing it and you had to test in a Petri dish, you could only do a given lab could do a few thousand a week. So right. it took a really long time to test and find a new antibody that did what you want it to do. But this is make no mistake. This is straight up, you know, genetic human engineering. And the story here is we've, we're done with the Petri dish. We've just fed in uh, all of the interactions that happen in the f- Petri dish. We've, we've fed in all of the results in every Petri dish we've ever tried into our AI. And now we're just having it run simulations. And these are like, these are the same thing as climate models where you run a hundred thousand simulations. And the one that has the results you like, you keep that one and you throw the rest of the models away. I prefer lingerie models. And when you do it, uh, you know, then what they do is they simulate, they, they produce an antibody based on this. And, Absolute best case scenario, you they they succeed in finding a way to eradicate some disease, maybe the common cold, which is, you know, it's already been eradicated. Now it's called COVID. But um, 
then of course that gets used to force everybody to take this antibody at gunpoint. And then 20 years later, everyone is dying from some newly manufactured autoimmune disease that didn't exist before. That I think is the best case scenario for this. The worst case is they're just creating the next biowar genocide vector. I don't like this story at all. Well, let's be honest. This seems like uh, it's covered by no agenda. This is going towards, oh, you eat red meat, you get sick. Oh, no, who didn't see that coming? Yeah. And I have to say, uh, DigiGuru, you're just showing up now. The show's over, dude. What, why? Dude. Dude, what are you doing? Dude. You're late. Dude. 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 We're going to have way more tech for the next show, though. Yeah, that depends on whether or not there's tech news. If this is all, well, we can make it up. It doesn't have to be real. I'll ask an AI what the tech stories are, and it'll tell me. I, I have one more AI story, which is a little bit more tech if you really want it, but it's not very interesting. Well, then uh, if it's you, not interesting, I don't want it, but I mean. I know. Besides, you already kind of covered the punchline to it, and it has to do with, I looked up some numbers on how much power is being used by AI. And the punchline at the very bottom of the story, which you just short-circuited earlier in the show, <laughs> so I wasn't, was, yeah, it uses, uh, running these AI LLMs collectively uses more money than Bitcoin mining. Yeah, it's not green. Or, or, Energy. energy. Yeah. <laughs> it is not green whatsoever. So why is there not the same kind of crap that goes on about gasoline cars? How come none of that is for AI or for Bitcoin and crypto in general? Because AI is the next beanie babies or NFTs if you prefer. Yeah, I guess. And and it's I I don't know. It was actually hard to find an article about this one, by the way. The one I found uh, that came out today was from Forbes, and the author has absolutely no idea how this is going to be solved, but just kept talking about, we need to come, we need to get together and, and find a way to make AI sustainable and responsible to the planet. We need a green, sustainable AI-driven future. Yeah, add a yeah. windmill. That's all you uh, need. Actually, that was one of the suggestions is uh, <laughs> they want to talk about powering AI with renewable energy. Oh, God. And uh and relocating data centers to where energy is abundant. Hey, newsflash, that's where the data centers are already. <laughs> hey, we that's didn't do that much done. research. There's no journalisming. That's did, the problem. Yeah. Did, would you like to know why the vast majority of the Azure and AWS computing is in a place called Quincy, Washington? Because it's right next to Hanford, where a lot of power is generated. They got a lot of water just moving downward. Yeah, imagine that. Beats real job. Not just not just downward. One of the few uh, running nuclear power plants in Washington is still there. Ooh, well, that they got lots of power then. Yeah. Well, you never know what you're going to get here on Grumpy Old Benz. That's why you should tune in each and every week. Go tell 13, 14, a thousand friends, whatever you got. Make them tune in. I mean, just make them. I mean, literally, if you have to. Yeah. Just physically down clockwork orange style. (laughs) Make them listen to the show. We would appreciate it. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm not tied down, but maybe I should be. And from America's left coast, I'm Ryan Bimrose, and it is now safe to turn off your computer.
Dios!